Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Podbean, wherever you get your podcast from, the Daily Wrestling Podcast, where we not only review AW Dynamite, but also the uh, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT. But, oh! Pay reviews, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Havlin Sidgwick to review last night's AEW Dynamite. And just a couple of weeks, Sidge, away from full gear. Yeah, and I'm well hyped for full gear at this point. There are... Following the events of last night, there are two matches, big ones, that I'm really looking forward to that I absolutely cannot call at all. And usually, the only real drawback to an AEW pay-per-view, other than the fact that they're eight hours long, (laughs) is that I can pretty much nail most match results. There are at least two where it's like, not only do I not know who's going to win, I don't know what the finish is. I don't even know if that is the match at this point. So I'm really looking forward to full gear on the back of this Dynamite, which two weeks removed from the pay-per-view gives it more ups than downs for me. On the subject of which, (laughs) if you want to go to whatculture.com slash WWE, for is essentially a transcription of this podcast. <laughs> you may do so, or just listen to this. I'll just do both. Yeah. Click through the slides. Yeah, I wasn't as entertained by this week's Dynamite as I was last, but I can't fault how effective it was at getting them into full gear. There's like eight matches full gear now, so we've only got about eight more left to add. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. like, otherwise, like, to, 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 <laughs> yeah, to Cedric's yeah. point, <laughs> Cedric's point, like, on the preview yesterday, was it the tag title match? We were talking about like nobody can yes. nobody can nail down a definite finish or definite winners and losers, mm. and that's in a way that's sort of one of AEW's biggest problems when it comes to pay per views. Even a really well booked pay per view weekend or the week of where there's loads of anticipation, loads of excitement, there's always that feeling where the bulk of these things, I know which way it has to go. I'm paying and I'm looking forward to watching it, but I know this feels totally different in that respect, and I like that. It's just. I don't know. I got a bit of a taste of uh, Wild West Tony Khan last week, and I really liked it, and I fancied just a little bit more. So going back to, like, not bad basics, but going back to basics nonetheless felt like a bit of a come down almost. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to feel about this show, and I don't know, and I think that might be the reasoning for it, is I watched it, and I was like, yeah. But then, then again, what do I want? Oh, there's no uh, Shibata on this one. So what a surprise <laughs> return of someone who's not been in the company for whatever reason, for however long. So I don't know. I, I, I loved... Love the opener, love the main event, like some bits in the middle, and then some other bits in the middle. I just was, I, 
There is one match I've barely made any notes on because I went, oh, I don't care, skip. Literally. An unforgivable addition. I am oh, that match. Did he play the something. game yesterday? Oh. It's time to play the game. What game would that be? Did it, did it, did it, did it. What Jay Lethal match gets added <laughs> in the last minute? Well, because we thought it was quite a busy show already, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked it? like it had enough. I mean, like, it had to like, stop them, but it had enough. Danielson Guevara could have went 30 minutes, That's so exactly I would not have yeah. expected a, uh, another addition. We saw a long main event with that one, and obviously they kind of took a different route, didn't they? So. I, pan- minutes. I panicked yeah. initially because the show opened. How, oh, sorry, I can't remember how it sounded. Okay, any, any, we, actually, we might have on a button here. Here we go. Uh, boom, let's go, ignite. Oh, get a flash of light. Uh, boom. Boom. Right. There's a useful button that. I'm glad we added that. Show opened and they do the whole. And we got coming up on this show. And I'm not sure if it was here or maybe like a few minutes into the show. Or maybe just one of those things where they do the gimmicks in the bottom corner. They didn't mention Jamie Hayter versus Sky Blue, but they did mention Jay Lethal um, and and his match, and and I was like, oh no, <laughs> like they've yeah. just gone, nah, just get Jay in instead. Taking away the women and adding Jay Lethal, I <laughs> Tony Khan's favorite ever dynamite. <laughs> I'm kidding. The women's division's really looking good, I think, at this yeah. point. Yes, um, but yeah, it looked like it was yeah a busy enough show, and then they they also said, oh, Wardlow's going to do an open challenge. We're well, going to have words about that a little bit later, because, mm. anyway, let's start at the beginning of the show, because it was the uh, <laughs> the worst birthday present ever, in the words of Keith Lee, to open the show. Uh, happy uh, belated birthday, uh, Keith, of course. Salutations. <laughs> he uh, did not look happy making his entrance alongside Swerve no. here. It wasn't uh, quite as subtle as the Cheshire one, but it was good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, not everything can be. Um, the guns were teaming with Swerve in our glory, of course. Uh, against FTR, fresh off their title defense in uh, Osaka against Great O'Connor and Jeff Cole for the IWGP tag titles, which I think Dax Hall were just chucked on the floor at the beginning to say hello to all the fans. <laughs> there was so many belts and they're strewn across the ramp. It was weird. Um, and, of course, they were tag- t- tagging with the tag team champions, the acclaimed uh, Max Caster's rap, referencing Tom Brady, Herschel Walker, Kyrie Irving, and of course the Ass Boys. Um, and then Billy Gunn rushes down to try and kill Swerve before the match. But uh, BJ <laughs> Whit- Whitmer um, broke it up and uh, took him to the back. You right? Ow. What an arsehole. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Off the rails. So. We've gone and get them BJs. So, uh, back and forth. So, early on, the match breaks down when they, they get. <laughs> All of their I can't believe he did that. I can. <laughs> First thing I was like, mental note for that one. <laughs> FTR and the acclaimed take their four opponents into each corner and they do the punches. Uh, except for Keith Lee, he's like, I'm not having that. You're getting off me right now. But the rest of the team, the heels basically, the three quarters of the team that were heels yeah. bail. Um, and we even get an FTR acclaimed scissor mm. picture in picture here. Um, but the heels take over during the picture-in-picture picture because uh, Dax Howard gets his head taken off by W. Morrissey. Um, Colton, when we come back, misses a splash in the corner. Bowens gets the hot tag. Sort of hits a famouser on uh, on Colton Gunn. Gets a two-count. Um, the guns hit a big rig. Very nice. Uh, on Bowens, but that obviously doesn't get them the match win. And the commentary, like, why the f*** did they do that? <laughs> uh, big, big square off with all eight men. 
Keith Lee, again, a little bit reluctant to join his team for that one. FGR on the guns spill outside. Lee power bombs Bowens onto Caster. Uh, and Strickland and Lee hit a double team. Strickland jumps onto everyone outside again. Keith Lee's just, he's helping. He's just not too keen on helping. Uh, and then we get Dax Horwood, and I think it was Colton Gunn, getting superplexed onto the pile outside. I'm now going to very quickly pass over to Michael Sidgwick to talk about the following spot in which Austin Gunn did an impression of Road Dog. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, look, some well-meaning people on Twitter, as soon as Road Dog said, that was better at all of this than Bret Hart because I was a sports entertainer and, brought, and Bret Hart wasn't. <laughs> I'm glad you're off Twitter for the year. Oh, well, and, um, Murray gave me the uh, news article. I said, fancy writing this up this morning. He said, uh, got this Jeff Jarrett news. <laughs> also, <laughs> so some well-meaning people on Twitter were like, I know he's off Twitter, but you've got to tell Hamlet about this. And I was like, I'm pretty certain he's not on Twitter to avoid <laughs> the brain pollution of reading stuff like this, these idiots with their terrible takes and it becoming the conversation of the day. That's why I don't want to be on Twitter, and I think I don't want to speak for him. I think that's one of the reasons why I have to just nice time of year to kill it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to, don't quote tweet it for dunks. Make an absolutely fabulous wrestling spot out of it, (laughs) and it's absolute and utter perfection. Um, Just the sharpshooter, (laughs) just to take over the shake, rattle and roll was just absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful and inspired. And I love the guns, man. As it's just, as it's, it's, it's the funniest layer possible to it is that Road Dog wanted a job here because he's shameless. Oh, yeah, he yeah. did that. He's looking good, Tony. Tweet. I'm not going to lie, Tony. You're looking smooth AF. Oh, bitch. The, uh, the news article, if you want to go read it on whatcultures.com, I'll try to like, collate all of the Road Dog quotes and stuff. He does work extremely hard to try and make sure his, some of it isn't taken out of context, but he still says the things that he's been accused of saying. So, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> he then contradicts himself as well. Yeah. I'll just put in the summary line, the uh, the innovator of the shaky legs knee drop criticises the excellence of execution. That's what happened. Folks, where's the lie? <laughs> Folks, where's the lie? Yeah, so Harwood reverses the uh, road dog jabs from Austin Gunn into a sharpshooter, as we mentioned. Uh, and then Bowens and Caster drop Austin with the spinning slam and the mic drop. Uh, and Colton gets hit with a big rig to give FTR and the acclaimed a victory that we kind of knew was going to, well, in terms of the team that was probably going to eat the fall, mm. it wasn't going to be the two teams fighting for the tag titles. Fun. This, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't, I was a little bit concerned that the uh, the FTR pop is starting to dwindle and that they've maybe, it's not the first time, but they've maybe sat too long on a thing without doing the thing and people have just accepted, well, it's not FTR's time, so we don't need to invest in the way we did. So I was a little bit sad about that. But then the match was, like the Toronto pop literally happened three weeks ago. I guess, yeah, I suppose. But really I would suppose. Well, I just I still think we should be getting those pops every week. That was how it used to be and probably how it should have it was been. One week, how, mate. And how you meant to, I thought these were the podcasts where we talked about quiet crowds. <laughs> you know, so they go quiet on raw, they can go quiet on dynamite. Too. Mention that they go quiet on raw, then mate. Yeah. Unless, unless where were they? Wilkes Bar. This Wilkes Bar. Wilkes Boston. Bar. <laughs> Boston. <laughs> Boston. Oh, I just I there's quiet crowd. All right, there you go. Fun out of this. Really it's fun, it. fun enough. Fun, wasn't that good. fun without being blow away great. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I see like a minimum of six people on an AEW match graphic, I go, let's go. This yeah. is going to be great. And then it never usually turns out that well, way. Well, you were yesterday on the preview because I was like, well, Sidgwick always reminds us that the Young Bucks aren't in it. So like you did it's not going to be that great. Code. Right. Did crack the code. Mr. Uh, what's my name? Enigma. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Mr. What's My Name Enigma. <laughs> That's me. So enigmatic. So the road dog spot was very, very fun. The swerve, convoluted rotation was very, very good. The suplex, it was like... FTR are the biggest hypocrites that I also love at the same time. Like, yeah, we don't chase star ratings. Uh, give us the New Japan titles as a vanity reign, and I want half an hour. <laughs> Just to make sure that that's the minimum length for five stars, is it not? So they've cracked the code, but they have not cracked the code of the party match yet, I don't no. think. And it's funny how this was kind of an unashamed spot fest. So I thought you hated those. Yeah. I really didn't think you liked those very much, but turns out you do. Um, mm. But this was, yeah, really fun. My core complaint is that they could not have made it any more clear that this permutation of wrestlers is going to end up at Revolution being FDR versus The Acclaimed and Swerve versus Keith Lee. And it just telegraphed the hell out of the finish for me at full gear. And the bit where you mentioned in picture on picture when FTR and the acclaimed scissored, they did the back-to-back thing. It was like, who's that? Mm. What Are you trying something here? Then realizing, no, 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 it was just a mistake. Let's scissor. And I watched that and thought, I want to watch FTR versus the acclaimed. I don't think it's a good idea to do, by the way, at the minute. You don't want to split the audience down the middle when you've got this very precarious balancing act of the acclaimed get as loud a pop, but they're also wait. Do you see the number they pulled for their quarter hour last week? No. Usually yeah. it just goes... That's mm. like Big Bang Theory or whatever lead in, and then it tapers off and tapers off. Last week went, oh. and the oh, was the acclaimed getting like an absolute monster number out the ass. They're the biggest merge sales in the company. So I think, honestly, Tony Khan gets a lot of pellets for not strapping up FTR, but it's having Messi and Ronaldo on the same team. You know, it's the yeah. selection headache mm. of. And if you doubt he's got Chris Harrington in his spreadsheet there to tell him stuff exactly. like, like, well, we're informed by the numbers that you have to go down that yeah. route. So. so that's the thing, like, if it's the... F- FTR get the pop, but the acclaim get the pop and the ratings on the merch. So I understand why he's gone this route. And I understand why he don't do that match yet. Um, but ultimately, I kind of want to see it more than the more predictable third match. So you're saying that as well series. makes me think that the tag match is predictable and that Swerve and Our Glory just don't have a chance because that's, like, we have to get to acclaim in FTR. But I don't want to think like that because I really want to believe that Keith Lee is going to lean into the turn instead. Like the fact that you got the fist bump on the ramp, I want that to be a red herring mm. more than just them splitting. It could be. Yeah. And yeah. I think they'd make better long-standing champions. I think there's something to the acclaimed having this run and being this hot because more of the chase than the rain. And if you get out now, it's you've sort of almost preserved it in amber. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they'll grow into it as champions, but... Uh, a bit of controversy next. Uh, a lot of people tweeting at me about this because uh, my best friend MJF was on and uh, talking about he was being on the best sports podcast. And they were like, it's not going to sit well with Wilborn. No, I'm fine with it. Look, I spoke to him about it and we clarified that, yes, part of my take is the best sports podcast. It's just the best wrestling podcast, guys. Best wrestling podcast in the UK. We the ones. So it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, yes. he. Uh, he's Most talk- listened. Talks about how... There's no camera storming at me, so putting our fingers in the air, doing the way they want. <laughs> For who, other than each other, at this point? Hey, do you have any backslapped? I think I do, actually, buddy. Me too. There's no cameras yet. Uh, they told Ooh. MJF... Ooh. They told MJF not to travel. Um, doctors did to, after the attack by the firm. 
Uh, he talks about history being made at full gear, uh, compares himself to generational talents, Bruno San Martino, John Cena, Rock, etc., etc. Bobby Fish. Uh, doesn't like doesn't like John Moxley, but he respects him, Sige, because he's got a, he had to work his ass off to get where he is. Um, but MJF was just he was just born to do this, born to act in movies, born to wave the flag of AEW and bring pro wrestling back to where it was. Uh, and he got a really impassioned bit where he talked about how you know the spotlight in AEW every single time he does something sensational gets stolen away from him. He talks about. You know, his breakout thing, and everyone's talking about that bloody neck tattoo. I think at one point he called Matt Hardy Humpty Dumpty. He did, uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, all the, you know, you, could, you can literally think of any time he did something big, this big return, brawl out, obviously, all those. Chris Jericho did it for a year. That was quite cathartic to hear that said on telly, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, but he said, William Regal's bet on the wrong horse, uh, and come full gear, the devil gets his due. I'm going to f- mention what came after this as well, because we immediately then got a Stokely Hathaway promo talking about being best friends, <laughs> you wish, uh, with MJF. Um, <laughs> MJF forgot where, he, forgot where he came from. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he said, MJF's dick-riding John Moxley without a license. Uh, he doesn't need MJF. He's going to do this without him, and at full gear, he'll see him in hell. This is so great going back to back because Stokely Hathaway saying, I'll see you in hell, could be a wonderful red herring because is that not in fact where MGF wants to be as literally the devil mm-hmm. who said that I don't like doing these things. Trust me, I know how abhorrent they are, but I have to do them to stay on top when he did the spiel about looking in the mirror and the mirror. Uh, how does how did Vince McMahon used to say it? Miro. Miro. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Is that why they had to call him Rusev? (laughs) So I love the link between I'll see you in hell, which is a surface level, like, you know, I'm going to do a bad thing to you, but you're a dickhead and you deserve it, so I'll see you there. But the devil, the hell thing, are they actually aligned? I thought that was tremendous. MJS promo here was hypnotic. The Mm -hmm. man is a hypnotist. It was just so easy to just fall under a spell because the poise, delivery, rhythm, everything about this promo was majestic. The idea of him building up the bit about fates, conspiring to steal his moment and his credit to then going into the devil getting his due. Oh, my God. An absolutely fantastic sign-off line. And what was also wonderful about this was the continued brilliance and the ambiguity. He was full of himself, but at the same time, he was making promises. That's what baby faces do. He was talking about his opponent being pretty fantastic and... Fantastic in the best way because he's not some naturally gifted guy who can just do it effortlessly. He was, um, John Moxie has two left feet and not one athletic bone in his body. But the insult and putting him over, that crucial balance that mm-hmm. we always talking about. This was an ambiguously babyface promo. And the hell and the devil line was another layer to this really at this point absorbing mystery and then it was all kind of linked back to with the John Moxley promo as well so I thought the build to this main event made me even more perplexed and baffled but in a really sort of interested and intrigued way yeah all-time tweener stuff this and I, I that's a big compliment I promise because it's really hard to do the tweener role well and it remained convincing and you don't betray at least one element of your character there was a line in there where MJF said it wasn't even Doctor advising him to stay off the road so he can be 110%. So it's not even about maintaining full fitness. It's about going beyond that. He probably would be fine, but he wants to be even better than fine. He wants to be better than his best self. Um, I have, I really don't want, I'm so desperate for this Stokely thing to not be a red herring that this actually gave me pangs of anxiety. 
I, I cannot have this be a... I'm sure I took my lumps. I, 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 it, AW's too good for that. It's John Moxley's too good a baby face to fall for that. Yeah, mm. I, I really am dreading, like, th- that being the payoff. Like, even, even if the firm come in on the night and beat them both up, so they've decked Moxley as well as uh, MJF, that would still feel a little bit off. So mm. I just... I, I get why they're doing it, and I think it's worthwhile, and maybe MJF has just got a title match lined up with one of the members of the firm, so he's fighting big casts on it, cool, but it just, it's making me, it's put my teeth on edge that the end result could be MJF and the firm have made nice, because MJF has realised that they're, he's better being on side with them than not, mm. like, the Moxley stuff later on is really interesting as well, I think there was like, both promos had absolutely loads of details to pick at, and I love that, like, I, I think they'd be stupid to do more in the go-home show next week. This was go home material. Let's have some vignettes next week because we're this is probably peaking. Yeah, credit to AEW building to the big match at the pay per view with one half of it not being on TV three weeks for th- for three weeks. The three weeks leading in to the pay per view, obviously MGF missing. It uh, wasn't there last week. Written off with the firm attack. Not there this week, and I think from reports he's not going to be there next week either. And I've looked at who's playing in the Iron Claw. Is it Lance Von Erich? It's such an inspired cast. Uh, it's brilliant, isn't it? A like, lot of people thought he was going to be playing Gino Hernandez for obvious right. reasons. But like the, if you don't know, um, the Iron Claw is a biopic of um, the horrific, tragic legacy of the Von Erich family. And part of the like horrendous nature of it all is that when one of the uh, sons went into toxic shock syndrome, Mike, they decided, oh, well, we need another Von Erich. It's like you can't magic them out. You just can't do that. But they tried to do that with a fake Von Erich named Lance, and it didn't take, and they had to admit, like, yeah, it was a complete load of bollocks, actually. Um, but MJF being, like, that full, sincere, he can play that disingenuous, I'm pretending to be a good guy, or I'm pretending to be someone really well, and that's what Lance Von Erich did. So I honestly think that casting is inspired. Mm. Zach, Zach Efron, isn't it, playing uh, Kerry Von Erich? It's Kevin, isn't he? Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, Kevin. Kevin sorry, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's, do you know, like this, funny mention about this build and, the, you know, them not being there or MJF at least not being there. So this, uh, this pay-per-view, like, there's going to be a lot of discussion about the numbers. There's going to be a lot of discussion about how well it does. Obviously, it's the first, like, Forbidden Door didn't really count. This is a prop. First Punk, CM Punk free pay-per-view when he was the guy credited with, like, elevating the numbers to somewhere they'd never been before. Can they hold without? And, like, MJF, it'll be riding on MJF and Moxley's shoulders a little bit. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the opposite of the build to All Out because you did the match on telly. They were there so much, they did the actual match, and that can be written off as an experiment that didn't really work. This is a totally different way of doing it, and I think the number's going to be so interesting. I hope they bear it out well because I hope that this stands up for MJF and Moxley because I think the work leading up to it has been tremendous. Mm. Uh, what followed was the first match in the AW title eliminator tournament. It was Ethan Page versus Eddie Kingston, but never mind any of that. <laughs> Here comes AW to the UK. Uh, Tony Schiavone mentioned this during this match. So exciting, this. We will talk about the match. I'm joking, of course. Yeah, I don't want to you know, admit to being a mark, but when that date gets announced next week, I'm telling the missus we are not going on holiday next year. I don't care how cheap <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't care if you get a great deal. I'm not going to Crete. <laughs> I'm not going to Crete on that date. In fact, just block it out on the calendar as Sidgwick's going to be a market. He's a little AEW show. So, looking forward to that date. Mm. What a nice little thing as well. Yeah. Hey, bloody summer all days sorted around this date. Mm-hmm. I, want a, I want a week of it. I think like AEW week in, in London. I think Blighty so. fest. Thoughts? Blighter fest. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Uh, right, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, Kingston versus Ethan Page. Um, Kingston gets a hell of a reaction, of course, uh, and he's, he's spiralling, as we alluded to uh, on the uh, on the preview yesterday. He just starts battering Page with chops, but Page takes him out with a big shoulder tackle off the apron outside. Um, then later on, Page leaps off the second rope back inside. Kingston hits a, an insiguri midair and just starts battering him with chops again. Uh, Page goes for the ego's edge, but uh, Kingston counters that with a suplex for two. There's a big slugfest uh, with Kingston winning that battle, of course, and hitting a DDT for a near fall. Yeah, Kingston hits an exploder, puts him in the stretch plum, but of course, as anticipated, Stokely Hathaway jumps up onto the apron, takes the referee. You get the visual submission from Ethan Page. Uh, Ortiz, remember him, uh, has come out with, uh, with Eddie huh? Kingston. <laughs> he chases off Hathaway. Kingston turns around into a big kick from Ethan Page. Page goes up top. Kingston catches him up there. And Kingston gets like cro- crotched on top. And Page chucks him with a super avalanche ego's edge. One, two, three. Page advances. He's going to face the winner of Bandido on Rouge, uh, which is taking place on Rampage this week, which we'll, of course, preview tomorrow. Yes, I'm going to be generous here because I thought the finish was so great that for me personally, it excused that... Carney protection, referees and idiot stuff when um, there was the visual tap from the stretch plum that Bryce Remsburg didn't see. Paul Turner should really have a word with him. <laughs> Paul Turner should really have a word. Um, I just thought that the actual finish was executed so brilliantly and it was so terrifying that I thought, it's absolutely fine if you don't kick out of that. You look like you've just been decapitated. Um, the match is good without being great. I do like Ethan Page willing bumper because he's just so large that the person doing the moves on him always looks pretty cool for being able to do that but it wasn't electrifying it wasn't really super heated it wasn't incredibly dramatic it was solid and well worked and you know i'm usually bored by that kind of thing but the finish really put it no pun intended because i hate puns over the edge yes for me and look i've got no qualms about a star on page's level beating one on kingston's level because if you can maintain the story thread with kingston and you know what it's not really a guarantee because he's been quite inconsistent um, well, Tony Khan has been quite inconsistent with his portrayal of Eddie Kingston. So there's a bit of, well, I'll let it play out, where previously you'd think, oh, Kingston's going to go to Grand Slam and win the big one. That element of the character and the belief in it has gone. But I do trust him to get Eddie Kingston right. He should be a cornerstone of that promotion. And if you tell this story with Eddie Kingston, you can chance Ethan Page in the role of proper TV-level main event title contender. Um, so I had, I think, a bit of generosity generosity towards this but my god that finish i was terrified when kingston was flailing in the air like that yeah the execution of it made up for it taking a little bit of a while to set up mm. i kind of got a like it's you know when you just like lose a second but it feels like a lifetime within a match uh i'm i think i'm the same of you like with regards to the match i didn't feel much for it and i don't think the audience did it for an eddie kingston match this fell into the obvious winner obvious loser category and I think those two things collided a little bit, and there wasn't that typical heat that you would have with the uh, like roaring for a Kingston comeback, or even for the like the finish that wasn't in terms of the tap out. It just the whole thing felt like because everybody knew the result was a foregone conclusion. It, it just it didn't play out like an Eddie Kingston match would heat wise, and I just think that was what was it felt like it was holding it back the whole way through. Like the action was was fine and never got great, but it was always good. And I just. I don't know. I didn't get quite what I wanted out of it. There was an Eddie Kingston detail that I believe might have been peppered in later on in the show, which I'm, which plays to Sidgwick's point about letting this character play out a little bit. But maybe 
Maybe there was another way to sacrifice Kingston in this tournament without it being to such an obvious finalist in mm. Ethan Page. Maybe having him lose to a match that you would have predicted he would have won. You know, like uh, Dante Martin or something. Like, yeah, we know he's spiralling, but he'll probably win the first match and then lose in the yeah, semi. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in hindsight, Page is such an obvious finalist that this that wasn't the defeat that Kingston should have taken. Mm. Good, like, awesome finish, though. So see, Kingston's a bigger guy, deceptively big yeah. guy, he'd be flying through the sky. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Now, this was where the show took a bit of a turn for me. Um, I sense that Sige probably didn't like this bit specifically either because we're backstage with Roosh, <sighs> Jose the Assistant, and the Dark Order. Jose says that Roosh wanted 10 there specifically because when he wins, he likes 10, so he's going to get the first title shot. And uh, Uno. What interesting Reynolds. brand new information. <laughs> Uno, Reynolds, and Silver. You're never going to get one. Silver calls him a roosh bag, and there's a bit of a pull apart. It's still going, this. I can't believe this. <laughs> I absolutely can't believe this, right? If you take away individual character arcs, like MGF's quest to win the world title, which has been rumbling for pretty much forever yeah. since the inception of the company or there or thereabouts, right? If you take that sort of thing out of the equation, a, a long character arc, right? I'm fairly certain that the origins of what is now not called the RFO because they themselves must realize that sounds stupid, which should be cause to tell them the whole thing's stupid and let's scrap it, right? Yeah. This RFO, the Roosh family office, right, is a derivative of the Andrade family office, 
which is itself a derivative of the AHFO, yeah. the Andrade Hardy Family Office, which itself <laughs> is a derivative of the HFO, the Hardy Family Office, which sprang into life. Only 22 letters left. I want the whole <laughs> alphabet. Which sprang into life after the association was struck between Big Money Matt Hardy and Private Party. And I know this for a fact because the initial angle was so great took place on the post-double-or-nothing 2020 Dynamite. No. Is when Private Party and Matt Hardy first aligned. So this whole FO stuff was germinated from that moment on, right? I'm convinced that all the stuff leading to Roosh versus 10 dates back to a point in time that makes this with the exception of the Elite Saga, which mm. started as soon as AEW did, marks this storyline and all its twists and turns as the second longest mm. running storyline in AEW and, as a result, the second longest running storyline in AEW history. All of the stuff with Matt Hardy, Andrade, Roosh, like it's all very indirect and loose, but it's the same thing yeah. and it's the same thread running through all this bollocks and just the idea that there's an RF oh now <laughs> there isn't they themselves can't bring themselves to say it is absurd just please end all of this and look John Silver is banter sometimes and I know part of his banter is oh he's a bit dorky but it's mm. meant to be endearing Rushbag is something that a WWE creative writer would put down and even Vince back in the day would have went that's stupid pal it's the worst kind of more like yeah. I've heard in forever. And I have absolutely zero inclination to see this match. And I just, on top of everything, find it so phenomenally bizarre that Rush and Ten are sharing the same screen. It's like, what? This isn't right. Mm. You don't want anything to do with him. I don't believe any of this. Just end it now. You're a surrogate for a guy who's on ice because he tried to assault someone in order to get fired. <laughs> That's a glaring issue on top of everything else. I don't take Roosh seriously in the role. It's just the weirdest, wonkiest, overlong, contrived, bastardized bit of rubbish I've ever seen in this company. I want a video package of the entire two-year saga <laughs> soundtracked by uh, CFO. <laughs> nothing else, though. Nothing else to add, though. Whole thing whole thing's sucked. Yeah. And then... <laughs> So I was like quite looking forward to a Wardlow Open Challenge with all the stuff that's been going on with Powerhouse Hobbs. And I didn't realise you could just preempt an Open Challenge. Because they said earlier on... It's the same difference. You cannot it? be pedantic about this. I just, I just And then go on impromptu matches began on Raw and never once make that point. No, but you make that point about it. And I, it's you a should very agree. Valid you point. should agree every yeah. time. But it was just like, he's there, Ari Davari. And I was like, oh, right, okay. This is what we're doing, is it? He's got his bloody butler there. And he's like, I want the TNT title. And here comes Wardlow, and here comes Samoa Joe. And, well, yeah, I don't, can't tell if this was an impromptu match or him answering the open challenge that was announced earlier on. Wardlow teases, oh, yeah, go on then, I'll give you the TNT. Oh, I'm only joking. Takes his head off, obviously, gets rid of the butler, wrecks him. It's a squash, naturally. Please, GSK, can we, uh, can we remember the names of Tony Khan's very small roster, please? please. <laughs> GSK. Powerbomb <laughs> Symphony, obviously, four powerbombs, I think it was. One, two, three. 
Uh, and then you're like, right, okay, can we get to the good stuff now? Out comes Powerhouse Hobbs, and you're like, great, here he comes. Uh, he gets called out by Wardlow, and Wardlow says, the TNT title's always going to be mine. In fact, I'm going to take every title in this company. And then Samoa Joe betrays him, attacks him from behind, chokes him out. Uh, and then just to clear up, just in case you're thinking, oh, wow, maybe uh, Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs are together. <laughs> Hobbs is like, I'll kick your ass too. <laughs> Love Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, what did you make of this? Loved it. I absolutely loved this. And I thought it was a bit sudden in terms... I know we talked about it being teased on Rampage. That's precisely why I liked it okay. so much, particularly from the perspective of Samoa Joe as a character, right? Tony Khan has got this habit, and it's getting a bit boring now, of just slow burn, slow burn, slow burn, slow burn, to such an extent that when I first saw that subtle... Hang on, touch me. From Samoa Joe to Wardlow, in my head I'm thinking, all right, that'll be cool in four months. <laughs> in that face-to-face on Rampage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I yeah. first saw the, yeah, yeah, the subtle yeah. thing of, all right, okay, that'll be cool in four months' time when Wardlow finally implodes. <laughs> yeah. I was genuinely shocked by Heelton, and that is the exact point. Um, it's meant to be justified. It's not meant to be the swerve for the sake of Car Crash TV. It was a justified Heelton. You can tell or you can infer from um, Samoa Joe that he was not happy with being treated in that moment like an afterthought. Mm. Like, I'm not want to be a mentor. I'm not being your mentor here. Like the second that Wardlow ignored Joe as like a threat, Joe's like, no, I'm gonna remind you I'm a massive threat. I mean absolutely massive threat. And if you think about it from the perspective of a character, it's one thing for a Matt Jackson, very mel- melodramatic guy, to agonize over the decision to oh, should I turn heel like Kenny is? Uh do I want to do this? I can understand that character dawdling over the decision. Something like MGF and Chris Jericho playing this manipulative dance of who can really be the biggest star in the stable. And I can understand that chess game that Mm. they played. I can understand just as readily Samoa Joe, like the very second that he's thought of as an old guy willing to help these young sort of protege going, no, fuck that. No, 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 no. I'm going to kick you in a clutcher. Just, I completely got this. Both TV champions. Yeah, I got this completely from a character perspective. And I love the fact that Tony Khan subverted this pattern because it is a pattern. It's too much of a pattern. And it's really shocked me. And there's two probable outcomes stemming from it. Both are awesome. Either you get a three way match, just like triple meat, great. Or (laughs) you get a singles match and then another singles match. And it becomes this kind of informal host division. So I don't mind which direction it Mm. takes. Loved the development, and quite frankly, I don't think beloved indie icon Samoa Joe as a really sort of beloved babyface thing has ever really worked. I don't Mm. think the crowd are with him that much. Maybe if they hadn't signed half the world, he would be allowed to resonate as that level of star. It simply hasn't happened, and Joe's heel promos are so great Mm. that I'm bang up for this direction for the character. I liked it too for them just doing it. I didn't need to wait around for the war Joe split. I'm not as convinced as Sidgwick that it's a straight-up heel turn. Joe raised his arm. Obviously, he's not aligned with powerhouse hops. He raised his arms to the fans to gauge a reaction, and he got one. So I think people... Uh, Joe definitely does have some gravitational pull. As a babyface character, less so, but just as a person, as a presence, I think there's something about Joe that makes you want to root for... Or be on his side, at least, even when he's a heel. Um, and I wonder if maybe part of that's to do with after the fact. Like, he will lose to Wardlow. Of course he will. But maybe after the fact... Uh, Tony Khan still wants him as a TV champion, still wants him as a, a bit of a pillar in his new ring of honour, and maybe it's a handshake at the end. You know, like sort of Joe accepts, 
I, I needed to know that I could, like, I needed you to know that you shouldn't have taken me lightly. We've had our match and that's it. And he keeps the TV title, perhaps. Um, and also, I don't particularly want the three-way. I do disagree there. I'd rather have the singles. I'd, I'd rather have the singles match. Wardlow and Hobbs is the match for me. Joe, I do worry. I get it because they're all great, but I it, think it feels more like dilution, like subtraction by addition rather than the I get around. that, but I also, the tantalising fantasy beginning in my head of them starting to merge the titles and just been off ROH altogether. There is, there is that, yeah. It's quite nice. And I, I will say, in defence of the triple threat, it still makes me question the result because Wardlow versus Powerhouse Hobbs at full gear, I go, well, I don't know what you do here. Right, and you could, either way, either you know, he could book either of them to win. Wardlow versus Joe versus Hobbs. Joe's getting pinned. Obviously, but you can't. You can make an argument for either of them pinning him because Wardlow could just keep being a killer, and TNT and Hobbs isn't hound because mm. he hasn't lost. Or Hobbs takes TNT title, and oh look, who's the new AW World Champion? I think, or at least I thought yeah. this time yesterday that Wardlow was almost fairly nailed on to beat Hobbs, but now they've given you um, a hint of a new direction for the Wardlow character and where he goes. That makes me think that the match at full gear is way, way harder to predict, mm. and I really appreciate that about the booking as well. It just feels like the exact sort of thing that Tony Khan, the angle would have sort of executed like a week or two after full gear. It's like, all right, that's what Joe's doing for his next, uh, Wardlow's doing for his next pay-per-view cycle. The idea that they've done it now, yeah, so yeah. close to establishing what the match is, just really makes me wonder where on earth it's going. It's and nice when there's no time to get bored as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. You've won me over on that one, Sid. You know, you should you should write a book about AEW. You know what? I actually, I mean, I already did. What? I already did. What's it called? Well, it's all about the formation and indeed rise of AEW, hence why it's called Becoming All Elite, the rise of AEW, 120,000 passionate and insightful words all about that subject matter. Oh, I'd love to get that for Christmas. I bet it's not bloody available where I am, though. It is. What? It's available on you Amazon. You live in the world, don't you? Is that right? Do you, do you live in the One, world? The world street, the world. <laughs> yeah, not Wardlow's world, the actual <laughs> world. Well, it's available wherever you are in the world on Amazon. Oh, phew. Do you want to pre-order it? Uh, yeah. You don't have to. It's what? available right now. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm, an, I'm an idiot and don't read. Can I get an audiobook yet? Oh, fucking what? Because <laughs> he, he should be reading it. I wouldn't want him to do <laughs> that. <laughs> Anywhere near that. Oh, cool. All my uh, credibility's gone. Yeah, but I do some funny voices, Sage. It would take hours, wouldn't it? Imagine the size of the file. Just because of like, well, he was going to do a voice, but then he got into a bit with himself because two of the characters that he does were kind of in their own He's feud. like really, really cleverly explaining the elite drama. And I'm there going, and then he checks it. Chapter 32. Two dimes is here. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know, what? which not reading any of the pages anymore. The call card. Thus, the business was saved. <laughs> Uh, Jade Cargill's backstage with her buddies and uh, Renee Paquette. Uh, and they're adding another women's match uh, to the Full Gear pay-per-view. Quite rightly, Jade versus Nyla Rose for uh, Nyla's TBS title. And uh, Jade says she's going to sort her out on Rampage. Yeah, have you noticed Jade Cargill's social media activity? No. I don't know if it's a gimmick where she's bored of the competition and all the rest of it, but she's kind of burying the fact that she doesn't work long matches or anything like that. Oh. Hmm. Maybe it's fair enough. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I think about that. To be honest, like she's a great squash wrestler. They're building a streak, so the last thing you want as a fan is sort of ten, fifteen minutes of Jade Cargill struggling her way up to say fifty and zero. Yeah, but if the maybe form, it's if the just a, unhappy, then you, that's going to start. Really maybe it's just work, an extension it? of the I've got zero competition and I'm getting bored. 
mm. gimmick. But then that undersells Nyla Rose as a threat. Yeah. Who knows what's going on there? Uh, we'll discuss it more, of course, on the Rampage preview tomorrow. Uh, lots to look forward to on that show with the t- title eliminated tournament stuff as well. What a lot of stuff. Um, then we got the the face to face finally between Britt Baker and Soraya. Tony Schiavone introduces uh, both women, and uh, Soraya takes the mic and says, uh, "You know, she's had been seeing more doctors. She's taken more tests, and it's almost X Factor esque." This I thought, unfortunately. For Brit, I don't know. Like people react to things on the X Factor. She's a hundred absolutely died live, and I'm pretty sure it killed the rest of the promo by accident. I felt so sorry for her because it should have worked. But she like, is a hundred percent cleared. It was a, lo- a lovely moment, obviously, when she gets so emotional that she's finally able to verbalize something she's obviously known for a while, but wants to get it out there. She is a hundred percent cleared. She is free to wrestle uh, at full gear, and she says, "AEW is my house." And uh, Baker fires back saying, oh, there's nothing more bloody fickle than an AEW fan. Uh, I built this division for superstars like you, Soraya, to come in. Um, and uh, she says, you've got the audacity to call this your house. You ain't, na- you ain't laid a single brick. Uh, and she says, you're jealous of me. Uh, you've left your old house to walk into mine, but we don't take walk-ins. And bruh, make an appointment. She's the doctor. Uh, uh. Mm. Uh, then Soraya <laughs> wow. said, uh, well, you've been given this position by Tony Khan. You've been fed uh, QT Marshall's trainees, and you've been in front of this bloody camera for three years. I've been in this game for 17-odd years or whatever it was, she said. Talks about getting hit by a car and wrestling the same day. She loves... Um, she loves... This uh, Um She started revolutions before they were a trend, uh, and she was wrestling before it was even a twinkle in Brit's eye. She's done MSG. She's done the O2. She's done the Tokyo Dome. Hmm. (laughs) No, dear, that's wrong. Uh, And now she's in front of an ungrateful bitch. Uh, She talks about being embarrassed publicly. She talks about battling drug addiction publicly. She gave her career. She gave her neck to this business. To uh, what? Huh? Sorry, yeah, she gave her neck to, um... Uh, I think she gave her neck to Kevin Patrick, aren't <laughs> <laughs> This could be... Uh, this is another opportunity handed to Brit. It's the big, biggest match of her career. It is Soraya versus Baker at full gear, uh, and Soraya goes to leave, waits, and then Britt Baker obviously tries to attack her, and she hits her with uh, what was formerly known as the Rampage. I assume it won't be anymore. Well, she can hit on Fridays, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> Do you reckon anyone had a child, a small child in the crowd watching this? And they were like, this is Rampage, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, oh, God. That's the worst. I had really mixed feelings on this. Me too. Um, I think you have to be extremely careful playing the Britt Baker was here first card because every now and then she scans as the biggest baby face in the whole company. And... Not right now. Like she's getting more booze than she is, but that's not always the case with Britt Baker. And you never know, to be honest with her, on from night to night, what reaction you're going to get. Nor do her matches sometimes live up to her promos. So talking up to such an extent could be setting these two up for a fall. I think this is going to be so hot on the night. Don't get me wrong. I think mm. the crowd are going to be banging at this. This feels like an all-star clash. It's if there was ever going to be a match that was going to be the third on a pay-per-view that wasn't for a belt, it was going to be this one. So like here, we, like not a women's match. Exactly. Like this is the. Hell, Tony. This is one that was right. You know how, like, 
It would have been lovely to think that Becky Lynch as the man would be the first WrestleMania main event, but we all have to be realistic. Like, yeah, but it wasn't going to happen without Charlotte and Ronda Rousey because Vince loved Charlotte and Rousey mm. was Rousey. There's a bit of that with Britt Baker and Soraya, I think. Soraya's promo, again, I th- it's, it's a shame that they insisted on that. Uh, in opposite land, I haven't cleared, actually. <laughs> like, start to it because it just... They were chasing the call an ambulance but not for you meme. Yeah, <laughs> and it just... Because I bought her emotions and she... It didn't feel like she was having a fake what felt like yeah. tears, but I think the fans were a little bit disarmed by it, and it was like, oh yeah, right, we'll get back in, we'll get back in. I have a major problem, and so as a result, some of this was perfectly fine, pay-per-view fodder, build fodder, but I have a major problem with the lines about Tony Khan's pet project and QT Marshall's jobbers. Like, we're supposed, I, I re, I'm already really missing the rankings, because the whole point is, like, City and Liverpool can't play each other every week. Mm. Like they've got, there has to be some designated teams that are expected to lose and then win unexpectedly. Not Newcastle, though. Hey, Sidge. Yeah. Uh, a Bristol City. Like, to reference the shirt that Cedric is wearing today. Like, a shirt, shirt. a shirt that he can wear guilt-free in terms of the things he likes in football. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you should do that. I really don't think you should do that. Because, yeah, the key to Marshall's jobbers. And, yeah, a lot of the time it is just fighting the rank and file. But you're supposed to work your way up to being the mm. best. And there Bristol is a, City are probably a billionaire. They're all bad. There is a subtext. Same. There is a subtext that, uh, you know... You've got to be in WWE to be a valid... Like, what Soraya was saying is you've got to be in WWE, you've got to make it there first before any of this matters. Like, you've just taken on a bunch of losers on a like that have come off the dark treadmill. Doesn't make you a valid a star, and I'm not sure that scans that well. This was one promo line away from being something I thought was excellent. I gave it an up in my Ups and Downs articles, which, uh, which you can read right now on whatculture.com slash WWE. And I'll delve into why here thus rendering it uh, redundant. <laughs> um, right. If Soraya had have simply said, because she needed a counterpoint to Brit, you were given a force push. I never had anything like that in my entire career. I came up in an, in an, in an era where you had, had blonde hair and be a bombshell. I completely changed what it was meant to look like a wrestler. A goth in Norwich. Yeah. To what to actually be be a wrestler, not much less look like what they wanted a wrestler to do, which is not wrestle. She had every obstacle. If she had simply said, and it would have worked so well because you're meant to put over your opponent as well, if she had simply said, look, you were handed that push, and I'll give this to you, eventually you earned it. Yeah. Eventually you earned it, but you were handed it. I was never handed anything. Just a little small detail like that, that would have made her feel more likable. That would have made her feel like she was less in a bubble because I'm kind of getting that impression with Soraya in terms of her WWE experience. And it would have put Britt Baker over, her opponent, mm, which she yeah. needs to do. If she had put in one line to that effect, I would have been head over heels in love with this as opposed to just really, really overtaken and overwhelmed by the emotional um, tone that Soraya didn't put on even because that was mm, her word. Yeah. I will take a wonkily delivered, um, not exactly smooth promo um, over anything artificial as long as I feel it. And it was impossible, unless yeah. you're a sociopath, not to feel anything for Soraya's words and her story here. The problem, and you've, encount- you've recounted it, I will echo it, is that she is badly misjudged, which is kind of unforgivable if you've kept abreast of Brawl Out. These people who are credited with starting the company or being fundamental to its brilliance, these people 
are held in such sacred reverence to the AEW hardcore fan base that Colt Cabana will get a pop just for being mates with them. Mm. And I'm not saying that people don't like Colt Cabana, yeah. but it certainly helps that he's not made to CM Punk and he's made it was, to the It elite. was a pop for an implication as much as it was for Colt Cabana, Yes, it? of course yeah. it was, and let's not be ignorant, ignore that. Um, yeah, Soraya has badly misjudged it, and if she is in this weird WWE bubble and she has those opinions, she needs to have a crash course in this company's history if she wants to be a babyface, um, because I think they'll get a very split crowd. I think the booking just needs to help her a bit more. Like, next week... Just no, like, 50-50 I think she needs to do more of our research, to be honest. Well, heat. Look at the way she treated Tony Storm. But, like, if Britt Baker pile drives Soraya, it doesn't matter what Soraya says. She's just mm. really cruelly tried to end a career that's only just restarted. Like, book this more as a storyline. I just think it's long term. It would behoove, oh, yeah. It would definitely behoove Soraya. The way she minimized some of the women. You cannot go in there tone deaf. That is so apparent, f- isn't it? Yeah. second appearance. Um, and then she's echoed this again by saying, well, you're nothing. You didn't go, come from WWE. You've done nothing. Like... Do your research, yeah. realize the audience that you're trying to get to cheer you. And <laughs> There's you're... a heel stable that that's their entire MO at the moment that yeah, say that because they're baddies. Yeah, yeah, you'll get a chance because yeah. I think it could go badly for her. But I just, I've lived through her story as an analyst and as a fan. So for her to recount it so emotionally, I was just overtaken by it, to be honest. Um, ultimately, away from some of the weird motivations and some of the weird implications here they did a fantastic job of making it feel like this match was enormous for both women. And I was really into that because it's about time something felt like it had some real weight mm. in this division. And they managed it here, some iffy dialogue aside. Mm. I was just a bit thrown there. Sorry, I've just been thinking, well, you guys were very well, valid points you're talking about. I just, you're talking about, you know, that city in Liverpool and designated losers. I thought Liverpool were the designated losers. I mean, eighth in the league, four losses. Oof. Yikes. Yikes. Would not want to be Matt Reigns right about now. Next time you screenshot the National League to say, oh, Andrew Pollard, Wrexham are top. Maybe include the third place team who only lost three games and played more games than Liverpool. Just a thought. Uh, right, anyway. <laughs> be nice to the number one mega fan. Well, if you're going to screenshot a league, screenshot more than the top two teams. Anyway. Um, right. Wow. <laughs> I really got my goat last night, that did. Oh, look, Pollard, you're top. For now. Uh, right, Sanjay Dudd, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh is back. That's just been nice to Pollard. Gone off me, have you? <laughs> Where are the Magums? Oh, I don't know, like 14th or something. This is our this is our um, safety season. That's what we've got to secure this season. Is it? Yeah, now what else happens but staying up. Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Hang on, I've just got the, uh, got the championship table up here. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> they are 17th, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, not that's so good at all. Where are Newcastle right now? Third. But 20% of me enjoys that. Like, <laughs> genuinely, if we drop down, it would be kind of... I can imagine why people would find it funny, and it would kind of be deserved. <laughs> uh, speaking of Sunderland, Lee Johnson... Yes. yes. Uh, he's involved in this segment. I'm trying to, trying to, trying to get back, nice back on track. Uh, before that, before the Lee Johnson stuff, uh, two dimes, the whole thing was explained, basically. They're paying off... Uh, well, they give the money to two dimes, but, uh, you know, he's not used to, to handling that sort of thing, so he gives it to the, the boss. Uh, so it's too team wash shell in this 50 case. 50 f***ing losers on my goddamn screen. Jesus Christ. Ooh. Orange Cassidy popped me daft like. Who can't yeah, apparently fine. shoot a backstage thing in one take because there was a big old edit point <laughs> in this. Uh, but yeah, the best friends there. Orange Cassidy's there. Dan Housen's there. We're getting Lee Johnson versus Orange Cassidy for the All Atlantic title. Five matches on Rampage this week. Yeah. Well, there's a very, the bare minimum, there's four and uh, the, the 
Jungle Open Boy. challenge. Jungle Boy stuff, maybe. That is a, there's three tournament matches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I there's the one jungle, three tournament matches. Um, Bandido Rouge. Yeah. Um, Lance versus Ricky Starks. Lance versus Ricky Starks. That was, that was written off this, wasn't it? Was it? I think so. Was that not, like, was the implication not that he's decked him, so he needs more rest or something? Hell. It's not much time. That's what I got from that. It's not much time. It's just a, it's just a heat angle. Yeah. Your first wrestling show. <laughs> I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right. <laughs> I hope that ends up, that ends yeah. up being true. Um, some stupid silly bollocks line. Like the apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect. <laughs> like that. I'll apologise, obviously, <laughs> if it's true. And, uh, oh, um, Dante Martin. So Dante Martin versus Brian Cage. Ricky Starks versus Lance Archer. Bandido versus Roosh. And now you've got Orange Cassidy versus Lee Johnson. And you've also got um, Jungle Boy Speaks. And you've also got the Nyla Rose. Oh, yes. Air quotes open challenge. Yeah. Which, I see, it's Tony Khan. Realised that the, the dream, uh, a AWTV show with no women's match on it. <laughs> That's a segment. Relax. Same, actually. I, 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 I gave them the middle of the ring at the top of the hour. I can get away with not doing, giving them out on the Friday. <laughs> Three matches on a pay per view. He thinks he's buying himself like a year's worth yeah, of training. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 yeah. So they book Lee Johnson versus Orange Cassidy for all Atlantic title on Rampage, and then they set up uh, Trent Beretta versus Jay Lethal, which immediately followed. Skip. It's short. It's <laughs> oh, I can't bloody do that with this, can we? Oh my god. The Orange Cassidy rapid fire acceptance was so brilliant. I love this like fighting champion. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. I'm so getting inspired. into it now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just walks away. Yep. Uh, let's, uh, I, I wish more segments in AEW played out like an interruption where somebody cuts it off. Just say, "Yeah, yeah." Cut to the chase. Uh, Jay Lethal versus Trent Barretta. Uh Jay Lethal won with the Lethal Injection. And then, uh, do you want me to talk about it? Like he chucked him in the. You, what? Who do you think was going to win here? Did you think Trent Barretta was going to? No. Yeah. He got chucked into the steps early on. Lethal. There was some good bumps in a solid match that I didn't care about. The end. A really confusing addition to the card. Sanjay Duck got punched in the dick. Uh, right, so afterwards, Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, uh, they're up at the top of the ramp. Tony Schiavone tries to interview him. Sanjay just goes, give me the bloody mic. Uh, it's Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett comes out and started putting himself over. He said, ah, oh, my Dave's had millions of views. Um, he literally explained everyone in the team, which was good to start with. And you're like, yeah, I, I, know, I know why he's called the one in a... You don't need to spell it out. Jeff, uh, yep, he's one in a billion. Yep, got it. He's got his Netflix thing. Good. Then he said, Hamflet, this ain't no make believe monster who wears red skinny jeans and is produced by the Banana Nose Circus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The brass balls on my favorite fucking wrestler, Jeff Jarrett, right? Imagine you go 18 years outside of WWE because the owner like, started Monopoly and fired you first. You're that guy. You're like, well, best set up an opposition, right? That fails. You get your job back. And then there's a power shift, unlike anything we've ever seen in any of our lifetimes. Triple H gets the chair, and he kind of politely says, you're just not one of my guys. Off you go. And within three weeks, you've buried that guy. So, like, welcome to 18 more years out of, like, oh, it's not Vince's W anymore. Well, you, pal. Like, I, I, what a guy. He's alienated both. Like, he's like, he's the most powerful man in the game now. Or him. Well, I'm going to come a big nose on main straight away. <laughs> I've been in this car, been on a TV platform for two weeks. I'm pulling this guy to bits, and I'm burying his monster at the same time. Press the like button, someone said. Who's saying that? Someone said they used to have the... I think it was... Wasn't it Jose uh, Palomares as well who said... I don't know. What's the light button? They're <laughs> all gold. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Oh, God. And, you, and folks, where is the Where's light? Where's the light? That fixed it. It ran out when it caught. <laughs> oh, the... 
three buttons on my watch, all golden. Yes. Or like coloured, golden coloured. It's, it's not real gold. Timely as well, because somebody was going to chuck in a dig at Braun Strowman being a complete idiot and undermining his own legitimate achievements on Twitter. Might as well be Jeff Jarrett. Mm. I didn't even... Murray was first to this Satnam Singh, like, over-explaining the character bit. And I didn't really mind. It's because like, he's got a personal bias to Jeff Jarrett. And it's fine. <laughs> I'm also a bit thick. I didn't actually know about this Netflix show. So he's put something in my head that I might have to tune in for because I love Satnam Singh. So I love Satnam Singh. I, the, do you know what as well? This, I, I just like thick... I, I'm, it's, I just like thick <laughs> I'm thick. He put, you you sorry, are no, doing the impossible. He, this man is getting annoyed by you. He... He pulling Satnam Singh to the front was no bad thing as well. He's like, I gave Jay Leith this first contract. Sanjay Dutt's pretty clever anyway. Could be you <laughs> like, because big guys is where the money is. Big guys are my guitar. Like uh, I, the one criticism. There's, no, there's never been money in his guitar. <laughs> he drew two times. The one thing that this needed. Walls here. Don't have a guy lean forward trying to wind him up and then have him not wear a guitar by the end of the segment. I did not get that at all. It was so weird. This. What was that about? It was so weird. I gave this a down on whatculture.com slash WWE because I did not understand what on earth this was. The match was, oh, that's a good bump. I don't really care. <laughs> it's a good bump. And then it was finished with some you know, heel stuff. This is too often the case. And then it was pretext to this Jeff Jarrett promo. Oh, he just went on too long, and it wasn't very good. Screaming. And then he was screaming, and then I think the intention was to... I, what's going on? I just can't... He said babyface Jeff Jarrett briefly for me. There's people going, right, come on, guys, you need to wrap up. We're on a touch. I'm like, oh, piss off your job's work. Get a guitar around your head. <laughs> so, the idea is that Jeff Jarrett is this inveterate dark arts carny in his blood. 1946, was it? The year that his grandfather and grandmother entered the business and all the rest of it. He's the carny of all carnies, the locust of professional wrestling. That's what he should call himself. Not the cockroach. Yeah, he's he's a cockroach. Death taxes and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, he's the cockroach. The cockroach has been around for a long time and can survive anything by virtue of being a cockroach, right? And he can't Cut a promo in time. This <laughs> is rabbits on. Like it's his first time on telly. Like, is that the joke that he's? Why didn't he put a guitar over this idiot's head? I, that's the one thing I don't get. Like last week he was because it felt like a shoot that he was going on too long and he was inept. And is that the punchline? I didn't think it was a shoot because last week he like name checked the camera guy in the production as if to say. I'm across this business and I always have been. Like, people that have got jobs in AEW now have gotten because I've created them in TNA or whatever. I thought that was him. You absolutely don't wind me up. Like, I'll run this place. I thought, But again, without the guitar spot, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like it, that, that bit does not work. Banana nose will work with me for the rest of my goddamn life. <laughs> banana nose. Red skinny jean wearing idiot in a banana nose circus. Are you kidding? Look at him. Are you kidding face? me? He's just left. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's in their Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. They said it on this show. He's just left. 20 more years out, and then, like, in 20 more years, like, uh, fingers crossed, I'll still be doing a podcast saying, Jeff Jarrett is back in WWE, (laughs) Triple H, like the Triple H point pick of an ancient Jeff Jarrett. We got him. We got him. I love the narrative. Jeff Jarrett versus Karrion Cross. I love the narrative, and it is a meme of Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, point. Smartest guy in the business. He's lost a lot of jobs. (laughs) (laughs) He has lost a lot of jobs in his life. You know, when, like, when you were younger, 
and somebody like Ric Flair, especially because he'd just come into WWE and he looked a bit older than all the other guys, but like it would be Heenan or Gorilla Monsoon because he was allowed, would just say, yeah, this guy, you know, he's won like 10 world championships. And then after a little while, you go, he's lost nine title matches. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit like Jeff Jarrett. It's like, yeah, he's lost a lot of jobs, but he's always got one more. Like, he's, always, <laughs> he's, always, he's always one job up. That's, that's a fact. <laughs> Can't deny that. <laughs> Uh, then they had uh, the lady that uh, AW Unrestricted I've just seen have desperately brought in to try and counter us in the uh, in the ratings war. Um, Renee Paquette, mm. she's on the pod this week, uh, mm. and she's chatting. Murder. With uh, you hate to see this counter programming oh, nonsense, don't you? Awful. Just desperate grabs for ratings. It's makes fairly me, hypocritical from them as makes well. Makes me sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's with Jungle Boy Jack Perry, uh, and she said, "Look." You don't get to decide when it's over between us, like Soros and Christian Cage. Uh, he's got a challenge for full gear for the both of them, but he's saving it for Rampage. So we'll talk about it then, I assume, Sidge. Yeah, yeah, save it for that. Uh, then it was time for the job. I want a stipulation match. Oh, sorry, I did it, <laughs> I did it already. I'll just, I'll just take that from the <laughs> yeah, end yeah. to play it. Do we make a button of that. I want a stipulation. Right, let's get it clean. I want a stipulation match, Luchasaurus. Good. I want to hang you above the ring in a Christian cage. Oh, not like, not like a religious thing. Oh, God, Jungle Boy gets cancelled. <laughs> right, then it was time for John Moxley's in-ring promo, the other half of the thing that we referenced earlier with, with MJF. He's there with, with William Regal, which is something he may well regret in a couple of weeks. Who knows? Um, he talked about meeting Regal when he was 25 and he was full of piss, which makes sense because he goggles it all the time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, vinegar. <laughs> Said he wanted to be just like Regal. Uh, he wanted that to be good. He uh, was looking for his respect. He picked a fight with him. He got his ass handed to him, basically. He got tortured by Regal. Uh, but it allowed him to work harder. And he came back and he got his revenge. And he, yeah, they referenced um, t- taking Regal's head off with a knee, I think was the phrase that they used. Uh, and he said, you remind me, oh, sorry, this reminds me of you, MJF, uh, who I fought in 2020, beat, mm, cheated, but uh, beat. Mm. Um, and now MJF wants his revenge. Um, he says, you put on this image of a tough uh, tough guy pro wrestler, but your mom buys your clothes at JC Pennies. Uh, he says, you call yourself a pillar. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to have uh, to carry anything on your back. You call yourself the devil, but trust me, I've stared into the eyes. I've met the devil, and you're not the devil. Cue Vince McMahon heckle from the audience. Did you catch that? Yeah. Um, and he says, I want to know what you're made of. And at full gear, I'm going to find out. Trust me, everything you've done up to this point has been easy. I absolutely love this. And I love how it linked to the MGF promo as well. I was mesmerized by William Regal throughout this. The smile on his face, on the surface, seemed to suggest that he was bantering off the idea that MGF, and they've always touched on this thread. Jericho's done it. And Kingston's done it mainly on social media. But it's been this thread of like how authentic is MGF? How much of a baddie is he actually? So you never knew whether Regal was just maintaining this like sort of storyline thread or just like just bantering off the idea that he's not that bloody evil. He's just pretending because he studied some tapes of Piper back in the day. Or does he know something that Moxley doesn't know? It was not for nothing, I don't think, that they once again brought up with wonderful casualness. Hmm. By the way, like they just flowed it into conversation so organically, but just left it hanging that, you know, Mox did all but retire William Regal, and could he be out for revenge as a result of that? Just the smile on Regal's face throughout this was just mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. Yet another layer to this mystery, just absolutely fantastic. And uh, Mox's promo, even outside of that, was great. Babyface, John Moxley stuff. The idea being that 
you could, he made you feel like that MJF, despite being good, which is another crucial element to the balance of all of this, can he really beat John Moxley? Because he's John Moxley reminded you that he is, in fact, John Moxley all over again here. But I can't wait for this full gear main event. Drama out the ass. Yeah, same. Like another money promo from John Moxley. What else is new? Talks him into the building, all that sort of stuff. It's just what he does. Like, you have to give him credit for it because it's not everybody's default position, but that's what he's got in his locker on any given week. Them playing with what we all think we might know about William Regal was so brilliant here. Like Cedric points out, like the framing of it, you were constantly like watching Regal with every word that Moxley says, and this will stand up to different kinds of scrutiny if Regal does turn, get into a lot. But there was a point, I forget what the line that Moxley was landing on, but they sort of turned towards the camera and giggled together yes. as if they were trying to make like a proto-meme out of something that could come back to haunt Moxley if Regal does turn. And there was a line in here that... I even felt, I don't think this was just me, like I even felt in the crowd, it's was like, ah, oh. I mean, it's true, but he shouldn't have said it. Moxley referred to himself as a millionaire. Yes. Did you catch that? I forgot to mention that. I think that's going to play in Eddie Kingston's spiraling. Because Eddie Kingston is a millionaire. And I think when Moxley loses, and things aren't looking so great, Kingston is going to remember that. And he wasn't there for him a couple of weeks ago. And I think he's going to continue to not be there for him. And I think that wasn't a thrown away word because that's a gamble when you're John Moxley to just remind people that actually you're sitting on a pretty big ivory tower. We just don't talk about was it. Was there a Kingston promo after this? Or was it on Rampage? Or was it on the Road 2? There was one on the Road 2. I think it was on the Road 2. Yeah, he was. Because was yeah. he was talking about how people have let him down or you can't talk to certain people or something along those lines. It's like someone, someone, even... M- Yes, I know it's that. Ah. Even Mo- and he just stopped himself from talking, uttering Mox's it's like, name. It's like the one detail that you, you can't really talk about too much with Moxley because you don't want to think of yourself as too different. Yeah. But he is that, and especially when it comes to Kingston. So I just thought that was in there on purpose. I don't know, I was just there to say it. He's yeah, never look. said anything like that before. No. I love the sort of subtlety there. What wasn't subtle was what came next. The Elite are coming back at full gear. Yes. There was basically like <laughs> a big video package with you know classic moments of theirs and, and, and highlights of their career. And then there's loads of gears in the background and, and a ticking clock. So, cool. See you at full gear. I said this to Andy. Like, I'm not like, oh, no, they've told us when it's going to happen. We always assumed it was going to happen. You've literally said it from the moment it yeah, seemed yeah, to be yeah. back. You know, they were back. Promo backing. or match? Well, is it? Do we just get the graphic? I think we just get the graphic in which this is one of the weirdest built AW matches ever. Basically, them telling you the greatest stable in the history of this company, the company wouldn't exist without these stable, they're the all-timers, fighting three guys that can't find their arse with both hands anymore. Nah, nah. Who's going to win? It's this, like, that almost feels so weird that you, it's a misdirect. It feels like I'm thinking when I'm watching the match, it is so obvious that the Elite are going to win that it's going to circle back on itself yeah. and I'm going to buy the near falls because it's too obvious, surely. Like a hammer shot or something. You go, oh, I guess they're not. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, um, you know, Kenny had the compression vest. Maybe there's like a version for the face and like the books have got them on their eyes from where like punk. Yeah. They've still got like frozen peas taped to their eyes. Are these 100%? Uh, can't do that story anymore. He's had two extra months. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny's like even more jacked than Dominion. I love this time off crack. It's uh, like the solid goal Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look closer, <laughs> Lenny. <laughs> ah, you're, you're a giant guy now, <laughs> and you made entirely your goal. <laughs> You've got a 20-pack. <laughs> it takes Tony Nese's pyro. Yeah, yeah. How long is it, is, is it till, till full gear now? It's Well, it's not this weekend, is it? It's, uh, is it next weekend? So that would make it... Uh, no, days. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And speaking of Tony, it's almost time for the main event. Just time to squeeze in the women's match. Jamie Hayter versus Sky Blue. Um, Hayter had obviously Rebel and Britt Baker with her. And, and I'm not talking to you. Um, had Sky Blue had the uh, interim women's champion, Tony Storm, there. Um, Blue got quite a bit of offense in here. She posted Hayter early on, the fl- early on when they're fighting on the floor. Uh, but, but then Baker trips up Blue, and that allows Hayter to, take a back, uh, to hit a backbreaker and take over. Um, Dominates through the commercial break, which was the majority of this match, to be perfectly honest. When they come back, uh, Blue takes out Rebel and Baker with kicks from the apron and a big top rope crossbody gets her a two count on Jamie Hayter. She goes for a finisher, Hayter reverses it, uh, but then Blue hits her with a spin kick and a code red for a nice near fall. Uh, She tries a victory roll into another Casadora, but Hayter counters into the uh, lariat for the win. Love that finish. Uh, Post-match, Hayter goes to put the boots to Blue and Storm chases her off. My take on this, right, is that I wouldn't necessarily have booked it to be so competitive. Yeah. My take is that were Jamie Hayter to win the title, and this would be a, oh, Sky Blues won three matches on Dark, so she gets (laughs) Jamie Hayter first. This match would have kind of ruled on that basis of the champion, given the challenger loads, some really, a couple of like, oh, near falls. Oh, now they got me. But, you know, the Ripcord Lariat smushes her face in, and it's awesome. And that would have been a nice bit of business from a TV champion. Um, I wouldn't have booked this, but I did enjoy it on that basis. It indicated to me, in this weird, indirect way, that Jamie Hayter is championship material, but it didn't necessarily make me think she's going to win the champion, otherwise they wouldn't have done this, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, yeah, I thought this was an attempt to for them to have the cake and eat it here, because, like, Jamie Hayter did get... It's still getting the reactions. Like it's just, it's really cool to see a wrestler at that point. Um, and I wonder if they were trying to make her almost like she was eating so much offense that she became a situational babyface in the context of the match. If you ignore the fact that she had heels doing, the yeah, it was all a bit weird. I think that's what they were trying to do. It's like, well, well, give her some offense because then it's not the fans are rooting for a comeback, but they want to see Hater make that make that sort of stand in the match. That's and I, I think that's what they were trying to do with the agent. I'm not sure it worked, but I thought it was an admirable effort, and it acknowledged where Hater is in the pecking order at the moment. Uh, then we got a video package for Cage and Martin. Uh, as we referenced, they're going to be fighting on Rampage on Friday. And then help! Uh, Marvez is backstage. He's going to be. Uh, he's going. He wants to interview Ricky Starks. And I don't know what's going on here. He was just like, "I'm here with Ricky Starks." Oh no, I'm not. Lanzar just killed him. <laughs> and, uh, chucks him against the steel door. Says everybody dies. And yeah, Marvez calls for help. Yeah. Rubbish. The Maid Mar- <laughs> Marvels look like an idiot. However, I will say... We booked that better on the preview. Yeah. If they are going to do an interrupted backstage interview, Lance Archer's the perfect guy for this rotten trope because he spends his days just going around kicking people backstage <laughs> and killing them. That's yeah. what he does. From day one, he's just been like put, launching people's heads through the ceiling and yeah. just killing people oh, backstage. Oh, yeah, when he went in the locker room. Yeah, that was great. awesome. So that's what he, he should be doing this every week. That's what he does. Yeah. He's I the one person who belongs in that room. He should have... Um, Who isn't scheduled to be there. You know what he should have... The only thing that would have made this whole to make it fit more with that is he should have spray-painted some words on Marvez's back from the off and then tore a suit off yeah, like yeah. Jake Roberts this time. Hey, put your back on camera. Put your suit back on <laughs> so I can take it off again to humiliate you, Jake. <laughs> I've forgotten to do. I didn't play this game. It's time to play the game! What, what, what game are you talking about, Michael Sidgwick? You put words in my mouth, I hear... Oh, snitched. You put words in my mouth and I, my score does not stand. And in fact, every other week, there's been two of the three. We haven't played it. It's right. null. It's void. 
That's fine by me. I didn't win, so that's fine by me too. I, I don't. Can. I'm not really that bothered. I'm just doing a bit. Well, what game is it? It's ladies' night. I'm thinking who and a need. It's because they only ever put one women's match, unless it's a pay per view now. Apparently, Tony um, on the, on their flagship show. And uh, shout out once again to uh, Jose Palomares, who's been keeping track of all this whilst Adam Blake, Adam Wilton is off. Might be back now. Not, mm. not heard anything from him. Go on though. his Twitter. Um, Maybe just stop caring about us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, you said one nineteen eighteen. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, Still kind of way off, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like one twenty six. It was getting on to the point where again I was like, yeah. "Are they going to do the match?" Because I was thinking they got a lot. They need to give a lot of time. Two out of three falls might be Brian Danielson and Sammy Guevara. But yes, uh, but yeah, you're right. You're quite right. We probably shouldn't count it. So you know, no, oh, we count it. Tamflet needs the help. Um, Tamflet doesn't want the help. Um, we've got so the standings right now are uh, eight correct guesses. I'll just do the correct guesses rather than the incorrect ones. So that's yeah, easiest. I get confused every time. <laughs> uh, so Hamlet's got now four correct guesses. Uh, Michael Sidgwick six and nine. What no, was uh, what was my guess? Three I hours. Forgot. Why would I f- ever say that? <laughs> hey, no, that's me, mate. I just read it out. So he apparently just read out uh, WhatsApp. You'd send him. So. I couldn't question it. What, ooh, were there any additional context to this message I didn't send? No, it was just you just we, we were we were running running long, so I just said you said three hours. Four 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 for Hamlet, six for Sidge, eight for me. There yeah. we go. But yeah, you're right. If there's only two of us, we probably shouldn't play this game. It's a good point. Uh, by the way, I'm not here next week. Uh, main event time: uh, Brian Dyson versus Sammy <laughs> Guevara. Two out of three falls. You're welcome, Tony, for me booking this. Um, Danielson obviously doesn't. Did you book a match drawn from uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson's Ring of Honor history with Takeshi Morishima? Uh, no, it was just, All right, okay. I did as well, and he didn't tell me that was where he got the idea from. Yeah, bloody hell, well, boy. I didn't. It didn't book every bit of this match. Then I did book Sammy Guevara immediately getting DQ'd on the preview, and that was. Let's be honest, that's the main thing people are talking about in this match, isn't it? Just the, the bit where he got DQ'd. I'm now thinking, I wish it was. Uh, Morishima that could have answered Jericho's challenge, but maybe he's probably not in the best of health. I don't know. A long time ago. Danielson uh, immediately just starts battering Sammy Guevara. There was a clip as well before him where he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he wanted to here. Um, Drop kicks uh, uh, Guevara to the outside. There's uh, Tay Mello, of course, and uh, blocks that blocks Danielson from doing a dive. He goes out of the way, love. And then he gets a chair chucked right at his face and gets Guevara immediately gets DQ'd, as we pre- previewed. Uh, so that takes Danielson one up. But uh, Guevara goes, well, if I'm going to get DQ'd, I'm going to get DQ'd proper. So he starts just trying to blind Danielson, basically. He takes he not only has chucked this chair at him, um, when the, when's that ever gone badly for Sammy Guevara? Um, he uh, assaults Danielson with a microphone, uh, goes after the eye, and the commentators are putting this all over. And when we come back... Danielson is bleeding from his eye, and uh, yeah, they missed blood. Sorry, uh, it's been uh, a little while, isn't it? Yeah, too long. Very disciplined lately. Yeah. Is that a directive, do you think? I hope not. Uh, Guevara hits, uh, gets a couple of near falls, um, and he hits a pump. Knee. No, he doesn't. No, he, he, they talk about how he sacrificed this to get some some falls. Uh, he hits a pump, and he hits the GTH, ties it up at one all. Um, Again, just starts battering Danielson again and goes for a Spanish fly off the top after he struggles a little bit to get up there. Slippy ropes and all that. Danielson throws him off, goes for the top rope headbutt and just lands right on his face. Which is probably, but not the best thing when you're bleeding from your eyes. Uh, Guevara puts him in a label lock, but Danielson gets a rope break. Um, 
Danielson fires back up, though, headbutts, uh, wipes out to Guevara off a springboard attempt into a Busaiku knee. He rolls to a cover, but uh, Melo pulls the ref out and does the most dramatic, like, no, 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 none of this is happening. And the ref's like, you need to get out of here now, basically. She gets kicked out. Um, Danielson suplexes Guevara in the corner. Really like that spot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Danielson. Yeah. Danielson goes for a superplex, uh, but Guevara hits a charging knee that sends him to the floor, and Guevara hits a huge shooting star press on the outside, gets him back in, goes to the double jump cutter, uh, but lands right in the cross arm breaker, which was a great spot as well. Um, Danielson transitions into the label lock. The crowd's just loving this at the moment. Guevara gets a rope break, goes for the GTH again, uh, but Danielson counters into a poison rana. Um, Guevara counters a Busaiku knee into the walls of Jericho, but Danielson gets a rope break this time. Goes for the GTH, does Guevara, misses it. Danielson hits the Busaiku knee, uh, and uh, Guevara hits a moonsault DDT. Goes to the Swanton, but Danielson gets his knees up. Hammer and anvil elbows, um, puts them in the bell lock. Guevara's uh, almost got to the ropes, and then Danielson just takes that arm, wraps it around, looks absolutely like torture, and basically Guevara has to verbally submit because he can't tap or do anything with his arms at this point. Brian Danielson, Sammy Guevara go to war, basically, Sidge, and Danielson emerges victorious to close out the show. I'm worried this podcast has got long, and I've got so many nice things to say about (laughs) this match. There were so many beautiful details. This match was deft. It's deft goddamn match that drew on each man's history, accomplished loads of different things. I generally thought this was so fantastic. Not the cleanest execution-wise throughout, but in a weird way because Danielson had lost sight that it kind of made some of the uglier moments, at least from Danielson's perspective, sing all the more. Yes, Sammy Guevara has history with being an idiot and launching chairs at other people's faces. I think they did that on purpose, Mm. and it was an absolutely fantastic deep pull. It's something that... It's one thing where Sammy Guevara's tonguing on with his hot bird that you incels can't get. Look, I understand (laughs) what the heat is here. They, through what I only can imagine, is Danielson's absolutely wonderful wrestling mind have realized he's been reckless before and people hate him for that. People were all too prepared to believe in the arena that he was reckless here and they hated him for it. And I love Danielson. Danielson absolutely loves a two out of three falls match. And he loves the DQ to come back from behind as a baby face. He's fantastic in that regard. Um, But he's already done the brain injury before. So he couldn't do the same thing he did against Garcia. What an amazing injury to sell this was. He's had history it was credible for those who don't know. And I know Excalibur explained it, but he's, Retina got detached in this really famous match against Takeshi Morishima in Ring of Honor in 2007, I think it was. So it was a really credible injury that Danielson, being an absolute genius, sold well. But have, him having this injury um, also put him over as this incredibly intuitively genius professional wrestler because when he just sensed where Guevara was to do some of the cutoffs, it was amazing. That one where there was a Psycho knee from a attempt to leapfrog off the mm-hmm. ropes before the one at the finish was absolutely amazing. Oh my god. Another bit that I absolutely loved was when and again it was the idea of I can't see, but I'm so good at this that I can kind of get my senses. Mm. Once he found Guevara's head. He's like, I'm just going to headbutt this until he gets away because I grabbed him at last. I know where he is because I'm feeling him in my hands. That was absolutely stunning as well. The spectacular exchange of moves were earned, I thought, in the last three minutes because Danielson had done such a good job of sort of graduating the comeback 
that Gavora kind of sense at that moment, I have to do the big guns now. I have to do things that are stupid, even by my standards, just to try and get something against him because he's coming back, he's coming back, and I'm kind of screwed. This is all tremendous. That GTH for the equalizing fall just almost broke his nose. And I'm a ghoul, so I'm into that. <laughs> and ultimately, I don't know if it was a verbal tap or a pass out or what, but ultimately it was a clean win that Guevara kind of must think of a bit more of himself after the fact and might that play into full gear whereas I don't want to lie down for Jericho like I've kind of proved I can almost hang with Danielson so maybe I should go that route and be a pro wrestler instead I thought this is absolutely fantastic a few not particularly clean bits elevated from being absolutely like four and three starts here this is certainly four and a quarter level for me yeah, I echo all that. I think their chemistry and dynamic is so great that I didn't mind a couple of times where it was wonky because I was willing to buy into it just being part of the match and part of the story. I can't remember if I said this after the last Danielson Guevara match because I love that one too. This is what this is what like Tony Khan signing spree should have generated all along. The dream match factory that never really materialized should have been pumping out these every week because they're just simply not two wrestlers that theoretically interact until a wrestling company makes it so. And that's what AW, that was what the landscape was appearing to look like. And then he just held back and held back. And for the second time in a row with these wrestlers specifically, it's an advert for what you have with your roster. It's combinations that make all the sense in the world. So just book them. Like Sammy Guevara is a young up-and-coming guy that still needs reps with the likes of Brian from a non-kayfabe point of view, but can have these sort of, um, well, like not dissimilar to the match he had with Cody, I guess. Somebody that is theoretically leagues above him and is going to teach him a few lessons, but you're going to watch him learn those lessons. That's kind of what got him over as a babyface in the first place. And I think leaning into that into the four-way, as Cedric points out, was really going to help. Nothing really on paper should have babyface Guevara in that match. He's there specifically to be Chris Jericho's little buddy hmm. and stop two wrestlers that you actually like getting this title. Now the dynamic has shifted entirely, and I think the match at Full Gear is all the better for it. This was a tremendous piece of business, this. I love, the, I love these two together, and one day we'll... We're going to get it again. Mm. I always look forward to that in AW when they show you that down the line, yeah, they go again and it's going to rule. Yeah, great ending to AW Dynamite. Let us know your thoughts on the whole show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite review. My thanks to the Dudley Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 